Welcome to the Human Being Unleashed podcast, where we redefine, realign, and reimagine what it means to be human so that you can live a life with the health, wealth, and relationships that are inherently yours. Yo, 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 what's happening, what's happening, what's happening, everybody? I hope you're having yourself an absolutely wonderful day. We're about to make it even better with this phenomenal interview I had with my mentor, Michael Chu. I have been working with Michael Chu over the last, um, what is it, like maybe two years, and um, phenomenal human being. I have learned so much from him. Um, it is just uh, great to see the relationship we've been able to build and he's gone through uh, a really very interesting journey in his entrepreneurial journey um, that highlights a very important spiritual lesson, I believe, all of us. Um, I don't like using the word should, but I'm going to use it here. All of us should probably really take, t- take time to listen to. When you listen to his story... Don't just listen to it um, as you're listening to his story. Look for your story within his. Look for yourself within his story. You're going to learn. Um, you're going to get an idea of why you may be stuck in your business and what you can do to grow it and what it actually looks like to think like an eight-figure entrepreneur about their business. But um, also from a very nice um, spiritual perspective as well. So with that all said, um, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, so let's get right to it. First off, um, I just want to say congratulations. Oh, I want to like just acknowledge you. Uh, I was reading, I was going through your social, I'm always going through your social media. (laughs) But um, before this uh, interview, just to kind of see what's going on. And, um, you know, I want to acknowledge you for three years, no alcohol. Yeah. And I want to ask you this question real quick about that. What has been your biggest lesson from being sober from something that was a part of your life for a while? Hey, what's just been your biggest lesson over the last three years that you gained? Yeah. Well, Adrian, first of all, I'm excited to be here. And uh, it's a great question to start with. I could probably do a whole masterclass training on just the just last on three that, year experience. Yeah. Uh, but I love that you said the, the two biggest lessons. And while, like I said, there's probably a dozen or multiple dozen, I'll boil it down to two. Uh, and that's number one, when I, and I probably speak for most human beings in general, but when I made a powerful decision um, about an action to like cut something off, many of us know the Latin root of side or decide is to cut something off. When I decided that I was no longer drinking alcohol, um, it wasn't just a habit of not doing something. It actually initiated or ignited um, like a transformation of my entire identity. Because alcohol had had been a really big part of my identity. Uh, My cousins got me drunk for the very first time when I was like 12 years old, Um, 14, 12, 14. Yeah. And I ended up in a cooler in my cousin's basement. They put like a fur coat on me and it was funny. But really, at the same time, ever since then, like alcohol was a big part of my identity, whether it was partying in high school as an athlete or a fraternity in college and um, choosing or deciding to not drink alcohol transformed 
or started the process of transforming my entire identity. And we create in life uh, our expectations. We create in life a byproduct of who we are, not just what we do. And so that's the first one. Uh, mm. And the second one for me, this is a big reason why I chose to uh, stop drinking alcohol, is it um, created this very challenging at first, but it created this container, so to speak, if we want to use that word, for me to have to learn the skill of attending to all of my biggest emotions from celebration to sadness, right? Because my life up until that point, if I got a promotion, it's like, yo, let's go out for drinks, right? If I was like coming off a breakup or I was frustrated at work, it's like, oh my gosh, I need a drink. So getting a drink was kind of like the go-to tool to attend to the whole spectrum of the human experience. In the process of that, I hadn't ever really learned to actually like deal with or process, if we want to use that word, sadness or fear or anger. And by not having alcohol to go to in those moments, uh, it created this platform for me to truly, in an accelerated process, develop the skill and the muscle of processing all of my hardest emotions. So uh, that boils down to two. Okay, wonderful. Now, real quick, a question on that. Um, I, I had like, my questions here and I just lost them. But a question, <laughs> a question that just came up to me right now was when you say um, filling your feelings is a skill. I think that's interesting because um, I was writing an article today where I talk about emotional intelligence being a skill, um, but a natural skill. I think we all have. It's just a matter of like nurturing it. But I feel like as entrepreneurs and this is something I, you've been really big in um, because as a student of yours, it's always been, you know, health, wealth, and happiness, right? So a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't like to consider like the insides. Like, oh, they don't like to consider what they're feeling. So sure. why would you say that learning the skill to feel is essential if you want, and I say the word essential, not just like good, you know, but like essential if you want to make uh, an impact because it's not, this show is for entrepreneurs who want to make an impact, not just want to sure. make a lot of money. Sure. Sure. So why would you say that's important? Well, Adrian, there's the creation side and then there's the outcome side of how our own emotional experience is a part of life, right? For 15 years of my career, yes. I thought success was all about just, I got to be more mentally tough. I just got to work harder. And don't get me wrong. I'm not the let's talk about emotions type where I go way too woo woo. And it's like, just feel everything. I'm totally, <laughs> like, I'm totally like, you got to like know the right strategies and you got to get to yep. work. I'm all about routines. And, too. And, and, yes, yes. and here's where I started to realize the emotional piece can become a ceiling for people. Hard work and the right strategies without a doubt is a fundamental piece to just creating some level of success. But here's the question I ask people on the creation side, or at least how it, how it related for me. How many of you have ever tried to like do an affirmation, like where you're telling yourself like, I am awesome, I am awesome, but yet you feel like this emotional state all over your nervous system, like I'm not awesome. I actually feel really like I'm a loser right now. I feel like I'm an imposter, or I feel like a failure, or I feel scared. And I don't know if any of you have ever tried to like just hype yourself up and talk yourself out. I have. We can't hype ourselves out of our own feelings, right? Like when the, when the feeling is so heavy on our body, 
right? It actually can make it worse. How many of you ever tried to like, or Adrian, have you ever tried to motivate yourself when you're feeling really anxious? So you're feeling really scarce. Often it gets worse. I feel like it gets, it gets worse. worse. <laughs> yeah. well, well, why? Right? What's the con- what's a famous phrase a lot of people know? What we resist persists until it expands and then one day explodes. Right. Most people don't say the second half of that quote. I know. I was about resist, to say, I, you introduced, introduced me to that part of the quote. Yes. Because what we resist persists. So you just sit there going, no, I am awesome and I am wealthy and I'm going to make a ton of money. But you're actually feeling scared because, like, you know, you have bills due on Friday. You haven't made a sale in a week and you're feeling like actually scarce. But you're like, I am awesome and clients are coming my way. I swear. Sometimes if you don't know how to attend to the actual like emotional piece and you just try and force through it, it persists to get worse. And then it can get to the point where it expands and then one day it just explodes and exploding can be anger. It can be breakdown. It can be burnt out. It can be all these things. So that's to answer, to come back to your original question. That's why I think having one of the tools in your tool belt as an entrepreneur, and that's knowing how to attend to your emotional state, your nervous system is so key because it can impact what you're creating. Mm. If you're taking a ton of action Uh, from a state of scarcity, right, you're going to take action from an energy of scarcity. But if you're taking energy, if you're taking action from an energetic, emotional state of peace or abundance or trust or faith or surrender, right, we can create so much more powerfully, so much more abundantly from that state. Not all mm. actions are created equal. That's why people, you know, will follow the guru's strategies. They'll buy some guy's mastermind and like they'll follow the playbook perfectly, but they're operating from a state of like not good enough and scarcity. Another guy's operating from a place of like certainty and creation and abundance and create two completely different results with a very similar playbook. So mm. first off, the emotional state is for creation, but the outcome side is that I spent the first 10 years building seven-figure businesses, making a lot of money, buying a home at 25, and da, 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 all the external things that would say, like, look at you, you're, you're successful. And it all led to the basic question of, like, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Is it all worth it? And so why I also think it's important to attend to your emotional state throughout the process is because whether it's Ty Lopez saying you don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard, right? Uh, oh, I've never heard that. You're exactly. rich as hell, but you died because you're unhealthy or you died. Yep, exactly. Right? Whether it's that or whether it's Tony Robbins saying success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, right? That's also why I think it's important to attend our own happiness and emotional state along the mm-hmm. way. So as we're creating success, I'll summarize with this, Adrian, do, does success make us happy or do happy people create success? Oh, and so I find happy people like, yeah, we can be driven by anger and I want to, but that's, that's short lived oftentimes. Yeah. Right? Like I want to prove my high school buddies that told me I'd be, that is a spark in the ignition, but it's rarely sustainable success. You follow some of the names on social media, you hear them talking all the time. They built successful businesses and they were like, but I was totally doing it just to like prove people wrong. And yep. then I realized how unhappy I was. Now I'm building my business purely just to be happy. Like you see that type of transformation story and entrepreneurs right in our industry all the time. So I tell people, why don't we start with happiness versus the foundation and then build a business on it? Mm, I love that. I love it's like how um like how uh you know like I'm not a religious person, but I think it was in the gospel of Thomas, Jesus says, you 
like a, a, a uh, okay, I'm probably paraphrasing like really wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> it was something about, you know, a seed planted um, on gravel or, or thorns is not going to go anywhere, but a seed planted in like the soil of God. It yeah. was like, is that's what grows? And um, yeah, I love that. Again, guys, please do not quote me on that yeah. and come after me. Um, but uh, so <laughs> I just like, wanted to, re- yeah, I wanted to reflect on that. But I, so let's, let, let, now I know we're kind of like a fast forwarding a little bit, but let's rewind and sure. share a little bit more about your actual story because I feel like that in itself has a lot of lessons. So I know that you had your, I believe it was your first and last job or just your last job at 17 years old working at Pizza Hut. And when I say <laughs> when I say last job, meaning you're working for somebody, right? You have, yeah. a, you're an employee. Um, where did your entrepreneurial bug begin? Yeah. So like, what, what was it that got you? Cause not many 17 year olds want to start taking those kind of risks. I want to start yeah, yeah. putting that kind of responsibility on their plate. So where'd that come from? Yeah. Just for integrity with the specifics, I think it was 19, but yeah, same thing. Oh, okay. I yeah. was, I was working at pizza hut and I don't knock jobs, right? I, yeah. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, Oh, you have a nine to five. I freaking love those damn breadsticks and pizza. <laughs> I, yep. used to, I used to eat so many damn free breadsticks, but uh, what was happening is I was working at Pizza Hut that summer, um, but I only had like one or two shifts per week at four hour shifts. So I don't know if you oh, do wow. the math on eight hours of work per week. And I was home for my summer break after freshman year of college. I was going to school in DC. Um, eight hours of work was going to pair was going to barely cover beer and gas money, nonetheless, actually make me any money. Um, yeah. So I ended up looking for other work. I found an ad in the newspaper that dates me back years, right? I found an ad. <laughs> in the newspaper for a sales job. Um, and that was my first taste of like more of an entrepreneurial type of way of earning money where I was no longer earning money, trading my time. It was a purely commission-based sales mm-hmm. job, um, which exposed me to being paid and compensated for your value and your skills, not your time. That was my first exposure to the entrepreneurial world. Ah, uh, okay. And then that was just like, oh, well, I'm you get used to this. Like when you buy a new truck, it's hard to go buy a used car after that. So it's kind of like, yeah, that experience. Now, something you're talking about, um, what we resist persists until it expands and eventually it explodes. I know you had an experience like that um, in your entrepreneurial journey. Many Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you you introduced me to the law of repulsion. And I remember when you told me that, I believe this was still a life changer at the time. But I remember when you told me that it became like such a, like a, like an, like it just didn't enter my mind before then. And so I was like, man, it makes sense. Like you're, so let's just go ahead and describe the law of repulsion for people who don't know, because, you know, we've had Yali on here talking about the law of attraction and amazing stuff. I love it. But there is a reality that is also there with that law. So talk about what the law of repulsion is and then, how that actually no just answer that first so yeah, how, yeah what is the law of repulsion in your understanding of it yeah the reason i introduce people to the law of repulsion and it's not because i am the energetic spirituality coach but but i do believe that these things are important to acknowledge because our mindset is important right mm-hmm. so anyways to define it simply the law of attraction is so overpopularized And I think it's important for people to be aware of the law of attraction. And when I say overpopularized, it's because the book, The Secret and the movie, The Secret made it so popular um, that what happens is I think a lot of people think like, if I just think about what I want enough and I focus on it, it's going to happen. 
But just like yin and yang or whatever you want to call it, there's always a conflicting energy to things as well, the way the universe is designed. So there's the law of attraction focusing on what we want to create. And at the same time, there's a conflicting energy, the law of repulsion. And the law of repulsion, here's a great example of that. This would be like somebody saying, I just want to be in a relationship so badly. I'm just dreaming it. I'm manifesting it. I'm thinking about it, right? But deep down inside, they have a conflicting thought, feeling, or belief that getting into a relationship will equal loss of freedom. And maybe they prioritize freedom or maybe they prioritize independence more than they just prioritize connection. And so here they're sitting like, I don't know why I can't find a good man or something like that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm manifesting it. I'm thinking what happens is if the law of repulsion is stronger than the law of attraction, we'll slow down the ability to create what we say that we want, because the law of repulsion is essentially any thought, feeling, or belief that can be in direct conflict to what we're trying to attract. That's probably not the universal law, actual definition. That's no, my, but it makes, makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's my interpretation of the law of repulsion is that while we are trying to attract something, we can have crosstalk to the yeah. very thing we're trying to attract. And so last and a lot example, of times, a lot of times what I've seen is that we ignore the crosstalk. Yes. We 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 avoid the crosstalk because we're trying, like you said, which I've never I love you. So you can't you can't uh, hype yourself out of your feelings. Yeah. Try to hype ourselves out of it. But, um, you know, when you repress a thought, the energetic charge gets higher behind mm -hmm. that thought. So I can yeah. see why it'll make it harder for you to get what you want now. Um, so and I want to address two things real quick to that. Go ahead. Yeah, real please quick, go ahead. Quick. Right. Crosstalk being those moments where like you're writing down your goals or you're thinking about your goals. And you have that little voice in the back of your head that's like, yeah, right. Come on, you can't do that. And we sometimes just ignore that. And we just go right into like, rah, rah, both. Like, oh, I will be. And that's where like, I think it's important to acknowledge the two. And second thing, the whole like, you can't hype yourself out of your feelings. Can you temporarily? Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. I love, I love Tony Robbins and the importance of like being. I was just about to say, make a move. <laughs> yeah. Like put yourself in a state. But if we ignore the fact that there is a continuous emotion of doubt, Mm, that's yeah. where it starts to ruminate and starts to expand. So I just want to clarify that nuance. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. in time. Like, you know, if I have to step onto a work call, I want to show up my best. I have to be able to put myself in a state or if yeah. my kid's sick, right? But then there's also the space and time as entrepreneur that we also give ourselves our own space to think, feel, and be in solitude to take care of ourselves as well. Yeah, I think that was really important to say. So I really appreciate you saying that because yeah, I, I make my move every now and then and, you know, get right into state. Um, yeah. But like you said, ruminating and at our event, at the Champ Dev event, um, I love, and we're going to talk a little bit about Tess, but I, I absolutely love how um, she said the difference between processing a feeling and then ruminating on the yeah. feeling. And I yeah. was like, wow. But um, okay. So um, that leads me to you were experiencing some pushback in your business where you were hitting your own upper limit. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us? And this is, again, you may have had multiple, but one that I remember was the hundred K one. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that whole experience in terms of what the challenge was what the challenge looked like because other people may be experiencing the same thing and what you personally did to overcome that and break through that because I know you're way past that now. So yeah. I'd love to jam out on that. Yeah. 
Um, I'm sure some people might relate to this at their own numbers or their own levels for those of you listening into this. But for me, I grew my first coaching business, the Health and Wealth Academy. Um, I grew that pretty quickly, all through organic, organic marketing strategies uh, from 30K to 50K a month and even to 80-ish K a month. But I could not break through the 100K a month ceiling. And so I went to my foundational belief system of what do I need to do to break 100K? My brain naturally goes to, all right, how? Hold on, real quick, real quick. You just did something I don't, you just said something I don't want to miss. Why did you go to your belief system first when you realized it was something was going on? Because our beliefs give us certainty. Our beliefs drive um, our focus. Our beliefs dictate where, you know, our beliefs dictate so much of what we create in life. So I'll keep it. Yeah, I love it. I love it because I, I feel like so many people are like, oh, let me. Let me um let me let me force outside reality to change. Yeah. And I you said it so quickly. I just want to make sure people did not miss that. Um, guys, this For is sure. a eight-figure entrepreneur, and he said <laughs> he went to his beliefs first. I talk about this all the time on this show. Um, okay, so go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um I went to my foundational beliefs, yep. and I had a couple. The first was I need to know how. Right. And so I started chasing all these strategies. Um, what worked for me. To get to 80K, I was convinced at that point that that no longer would work for me. I need to find something bigger and better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for me at the time, I thought it had to be like, I need to learn paid ads, right? I need maybe more offerings. Um, I need a bigger audience. And I went to all these things that I believe. Then my second foundational belief system is maybe I'm just not working hard enough. I need to work harder, right? And so those are the two, for the most part, foundational things I went to. Work harder, find new strategies, But the reality is, oftentimes, more than not, what's going to take us to the next level is not always a silver bullet strategy up until a certain level. More times than not, it's doing more of less things. More times than not, it's tweaking what's already working. More times than not, it's doubling down on what's already working and keeping our focus clear on the things that work until we're doing two, three, four hundred K a month from that one strategy, not 50 to 80. Anyways, long story short. I spent a year dumping money into experts to teach me how to learn ads and paying for ads. And and I spent 60 to $70,000 over a period of time. And I returned $1,500 back. And it's not that I didn't know how to sell. It's not that I didn't know how to produce, but it just wasn't working for me. Right. So you just didn't have a return. I didn't have a return. (laughs) And uh, I had a 98K month. I had a 92K month. I had a 95K month. (laughs) So there came a point where I was like, all right, is work ethic really the thing that's going to get me over the hump from 92 to 100? What is going <laughs> on here? So that at, at that point, I was stopped looking outside for the answers and I started looking more inside, right? And I was on a walk uh, with my right. somatic coach, Tess, and definitely did not see this coming. Okay. Because again, I thought at that point it was about, I just need to be more positive and I just need to work harder and find the strategy. And uh, as we were going into my inner beliefs and the law of repulsion and my inner conflict thoughts, uh, we discovered that one of the reasons why I was scared to sell 100K a month or earn 100K a month was because I'll get to the punchline and then I'll reverse. Yeah. Is that I actually thought I wouldn't have my dad's approval, love, et cetera, if I was earning 100K a month. So that's what we discovered, how and why. yeah. You know, I grew up hearing my dad talk about people who made six figures a year be like rich people. And my dad, admittedly, 
um, kind of like it seemed at times like he talked down about rich people. He talked down about money. He resented rich people like, oh, must be nice to be them. Oh, you're going to your, your rich friend's house, right? And so the fact that he would think people who earned Adrian six figures a year were people to bad mouth. My subconscious created a story that if my dad talks badly about people who make six figures a year, what is my dad going to think about me if I'm making six figures a month? Mm. And at our core, at our hearts, we are not wired as human beings just to be successful. We're wired to be loved and accepted and to keep connection. And so what was happening subconsciously is that I thought 100K a month of success while I wanted it so badly, subconsciously, I thought it was going to equal loss of love for my dad. And it created fear on my nervous system. It created doubt in my head. Uh, and I worked through that that day with Tess. And I got to the point of like, oh, I am safe to receive $100,000. I already knew how. I already had it all within me. I already had the strategy. But now I believed that I was safe to earn 100 k a month. And it was a part of who I was. You can imagine what happened next. The very next month, we broke 100K month received and have been at that baseline ever since. And you have grew, never gone back. Grew to 250, you know, within the next nine months after that, 300K, a peak of 500K a month beyond, you know. That is insane. Just the, just like the fact that we, um, and I also like how you said, we're, we're not, you know, yeah, we're hardwired for, you know, success. And I believe that's very true. Like our brains are hardwired to solve problems, overcome challenges. Um, but the love part, it's so important that people understand what you associate love with, hmm. you know, and um, so many people associate, uh, you know, love with certain things. And because they don't believe they're loved, they won't yeah. allow themselves to have certain things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I just I appreciate you for sharing that. Now, I, I um. I'm curious though, like what it looked like. Cause I feel like the audience would benefit from this and like whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but what did it look like? Uh, like, what did you do? And this is my mind. It's like, what did you do? Yeah, what did yeah. that work look like with Tess? Like, what did that inside work look like with her? Was it, you know, you, um, I know you said you did some, you did some um, envisioning, like some, like a, visual visualization style things or i think that might have been for something else um but what did that like look like did you like have a just have a conversation with yourself did you like what was that yeah while now that i've been doing that work for four maybe almost five years consistently um so yeah just about um i'll boil it all down to this mm -hmm. i learned the skill of developing a muscle to feel my own feelings just like if we want bigger biceps, what do we do? We practice that skill, right? If we want to get abs, we, whatever, right? And so I got to work on, process, on developing the skill of addressing my feelings. Now, not so I can sit there in meditation all day long. I work hard. I love work. I love the process of work. I love who I become in the journey uh, of work. But as we've addressed now uh, on the show here today, Adrian, I do think there's the side of also making sure that our mindset and our nervous system are aligned with what we want to create because then success, then creation can feel in flow. It can feel simple. Um, yeah. So here's what it looked like. Tess, uh, my somatic coach taught me this simple process of, as a way to think about it. And that is just simply, what did we learn in school when there was a fire? 
What did we learn to do during fire drills? Three words. What did we learn to do? Stop, drop, and run. That's what we do when something's on fire outside of us. Oh, and, shit. Right? Right? If there's, a, if there's a fire, stop, drop, and roll. Right? Or if, like, if we're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. So she taught me that same concept that a lot of times when we're experiencing a big emotion, it feels like shit's on fire. Right? Have you ever felt so panicky? You're like, I don't give a shit about anything else right now. I got to take care of this. Right? Me this morning. <laughs> right? So when we have big emotions, it feels like something's on fire. And then we start acting out of that and we start. So I learned how to stop, drop and roll, which is just simply stop. And that's just giving myself space to just name and slow down and name what I'm experiencing. Oh, Adrian, I don't know what the hell is going on right now, but I just feel really tense or I don't know what this is all about, but I feel like it's hard to breathe. And I feel like anxious right now. And I feel like a pit in my stomach. It's just giving yourself enough love you could call it to like just attend to whatever you're feeling that's stop drop is once you start to identify and name what you're experiencing try and drop into your body even more get out of your head and get into your body right many of us have heard the quote like mm. when you're in your head you're dead when you're in your heart you're smart when you're in your head oh. you're dead when you're in your heart you're smart so it's like get out of your head stop trying to overthink the feeling like well i think this is what's going on here's why it's happening because of my mom when i was seven and like stop trying to overanalyze it and just go yeah, I just feel so much tension on my chest right now, or I just feel so much weight on my shoulders right now. So mm. stop, drop into it, and then roll is just give yourself some time to just take good deep breaths um, and just let the like nervous system roll through it. You're not trying to resist it anymore. When you're trying to think about your feelings, you're resisting it. When you're trying to act mm. out of your feelings, you're resisting it. The only way through a feeling is to just give yourself a little space and grace to just stop and feel some like whether it's dispensa or whoever, there's all different types of phrases. Like the healing is in the feeling. The yep. only way through is feeling and stuff like that. And so yep. this is a perfect example of how to go to the feeling, stop, drop and roll. And in summary to that last point, because Tess says to me often, we are one deep breath away from a completely different emotional experience. So I stop. I drop and then I'm just deep breathing through the feeling because we're oftentimes a couple deep breaths away from a completely different emotional experience. And so that's why I'm not sharing this stuff as an entrepreneur. Like I spend hours just sitting here in Zen mode. Yeah. But sometimes it's between one meeting to the next and I'm like, I feel really angry about the way that call went. And I just need to give myself space to go into the next call with power. Mm, I love that. I love that. So it's like you're, you're, um, I always use this example of, uh, riding in a hot air balloon and then all of a sudden it starts going down and you're like what the heck why is it going down and then you look inside of it there's a bunch of sandbags yeah but entrepreneurs are like oh but i'm getting to my destination i mean i gotta, I'm like, I, gotta I gotta go to another meeting i don't have time to like slow down yeah, and get yeah, the sandbags yeah. out yeah. but it's like um slowing down and getting the sandbags out i love that so if if you were to go back at 19 wherever that was when you started getting into sales because if you sell, you're an entrepreneur, period. Um, but if you get in, if you were to go back to that time, knowing what you know now, what do you think you would do differently, if anything? Because I know some people, they probably wouldn't. But hmm. if there's anything that you would have done differently, knowing what you know now. Done differently in what regard? The entire journey? No, in, in the way you handle things emotionally and mentally. Like in the way you, um, like, for example, if I were to like, 
for example, for me, if I were to go back and start doing everything over again, I would make sure that I'm climbing my mountain and not building somebody else's business. Um, in other words, building a business that I thought was like the business I really wanted without really getting honest with what I actually wanted with myself and out of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, starting from there would have been, I would have been so much different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So does that make sense? It does. And okay. I have three answers. One of them is about the emotional, spiritual side, but there's really three things I would have done differently. Okay. And yeah, there's the foundational answer of like, honestly, I wouldn't have changed anything because it wouldn't have led to who I am today and where I'm yeah. at. So I get that. So I think a better way for me to reframe that question is what lessons did I learn in my 20s that I now in my 30s focus on that I, if I could have gone back to my 20s, yeah, I would have loved to do them, mm. um, are these three things. Number one is prioritizing the emotional side of success just as much as the mentality side, right? My 20s were all about mental toughness. Like when I did personal growth in my twenties, it was all stuff like Tony Robbins and John Maxwell books. And there's all mindset, 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 mindset. Oh yeah. 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 And I would have given you a negative stigma about things like therapy or, um, somatic work or I didn't even know what somatic work feelings you're yeah. feeling your feelings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I ain't got time for that soft shit is what I would have told you in my twenties. Yep, yep. Um, but I would have prioritized that a little bit more now really quickly to that. Do I think right now this whole like environment of our emotions is getting overused? Everybody talks. It feels like people will lean on the fact that I have trauma now. Like everything's a damn trauma. We're labeling everything as a trauma. So let's be really clear, right? Trauma is not what happened to us where we get to be victim to it. Trauma is simply the perception that we created about what happened to us mm -hmm. and how our nervous system responded. So mm -hmm. anyways, with that said, I still would have prioritized like the emotional somatic side of the work. Number two, okay. I would have prioritized uh, relationship building and um, how to, how to powerfully give and add value to a circle of influence um, more mm -hmm. effectively. I feel like I did a good job with that, but man, it's, Everybody talks about it. Like we're a byproduct of the five people we spend the most time with, or show me your, show me your network. I'll show you your net worth, but not as many people actually intentionally win in that area as much as they really could be. Um, so second thing I want to focus on that. And then number three, I would have focused on turning my active income into passive income a lot faster. Those are the three like things I would have gone back to as I was building success in the early years of my career. Okay. Now, if you were, if, if some, and, I know you are um, probably in this state as well, but if somebody was experiencing a rapid amounts of growth in their business, what would be some of the, some of the things that you, I don't want to say, look, I tell them to look out for, because I don't like that energy. I'm like, Oh, look out for this, look out for that. Sure. But um, just be mindful of in terms of what can happen during a rapid growth season and like how to navigate through that. So they're not, having to um, be stuck under a sitting. Yeah, I mean, there's, the, there's a handful of things, but if someone's experiencing rapid growth, I think there's a couple things that are coming to mind um, that they could lose their way. These are the three that are coming up. Number one, the second we think we've arrived or things start feeling easy is actually when we need to go harder. Mm. but most people it's like, I'm arriving. We let our foot off the gas 
or I've heard other people say it yep. before, like the higher we rise, the more support we need. But a lot of people think like, I've lost 30 pounds now. I don't need a nutrition coach anymore. I don't need a trainer. Anymore. Or I finally got to seven figures. I can do all this on my own. It's actually the other way around. The second we think we've arrived is when we actually need to go harder. And we need to double down on things. The second thing, as we're experiencing massive quantum growth, is oftentimes we can lose our own way, right? Uh, when we can lose our way. I experienced this a bit in uh, how I was growing the company over the last year. We're growing so quickly, right, that it becomes a little bit too focused on like KPIs and revenue at the cost of staying connected to our core, right, and our foundation. If you think about it from a fitness side, Adrian, right, to be good at almost any sport, you need a strong core, yeah. right? Any great business to build, to be built to last, any expanding business, they never stop doing the fundamentals. They never stop doing the basics. They don't get away from their core. That's why we hear things, Adrian, like culture, each strategy for lunch. But when we're growing very quickly, it is easy to lose your way. It is easy imagine. to lose sight uh, of those things. So the, uh, the second thing, uh, would be to stay connected to the core of like, what are our core values? Who are we as a company? Who do we serve? What do we want to be all about um, as, as a secondary thing? I love that. And, and I kind of said the third uh, within the second, and that is never stop executing the fundamentals. And that's yeah. never stop growing. So yeah, exactly. I love it. Now I'm curious right now, Mike, what are you excited about in terms of you, what's going on for you personally right now, personally, professionally, what's exciting you in your day-to-day -day right now? Purely personally? No, I said personally, professionally, anything, yeah. uh, anything is going on in business, whatever's going on. I just want to know what's exciting Michael Chu right now. I feel in a really excited place right now, not like um, pure hype. Um, there's a couple. Yeah. So what I feel excited about is my dad passed suddenly earlier this year. And what I didn't acknowledge is how much that, you know, grieving process would really be. I shared with my leadership team recently that I felt like um, I felt like I got a little bit of a false start on the year because hmm. I had all these goals like planned out to go into the new year. And then my dad passed at the end of January. So any momentum or traction I was building towards that felt like it came to an immediate halt for a moment. So what I'm excited about in my day to day is um, I just have this clarity about what the second half of this year is and what 2023 and 2024 um, in a couple of areas. And that's just where the business is going. And I don't even mean revenue, like the things we're doing behind the scenes the second half of this year going into next year to make our passion to profits and LTV method programs revolutionary in some regards uh, for coaches in the industry. We're, we're super excited about that to teach people not just how to get more front end clients, but like how to get clients to pay, stay, and then play all out and get transformational results. Like I'm excited about that. Um, I'm really excited. Really, I was going to say, you're really revolutionizing the coaching industry, though, by the way. Like, I know this podcast is not really a business podcast. So, like, we didn't jam out on that a lot. Sure. But, guys, let me just say, um, as somebody who, like, works, you know, directly with Michael Chu, um, just this entire LTV thing. And they're going to I'm going to let them know where they can find you and they can look sure. into it. 
but it's just insane the amount of um, coaches in this space who just don't consider LTV yeah. and don't consider the health of a business as opposed to just like the quick influxes of, influxes of cash. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. love that. So okay, so you're excited about revolutionizing this industry that is really ripe for it. Yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. needs it. Yeah. Number two, um, I struggled with the idea of being a dad when I first became a dad, but this year and like. I'm just so excited about being what my, my themes for the year, be a present and playful dad, be a present and playful dad. And um, just super excited about that. And then lastly, uh, I did a physique comp last year, just to say I did one basically yes. just to challenge myself. I like, don't actually have much of a desire to do bodybuilding, but I just wanted to do it once. And so it took me away a little bit during that time from doing what I actually love. And that's martial arts. I took karate since I was three. I do jujitsu. I do Muay Thai. Um, and so the third thing, personally, I'm just so excited to be surfing and doing martial arts. Uh, a surfing. Whole lot more nice. Yeah. 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 See, yeah. See, like almost every Sunday. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep. Yep. I love it. I love it, man. All right. Awesome. Now, as we approach the end of this, just a couple of rapid fire questions I have for you that I think will be um, beneficial for the audience as well. Sure. In your entrepreneurial journey, um, yeah, this, yeah, entrepreneurial journey, what would you say is the number one book, if you were to pick one, and I know it's difficult to pick one, which is why I want you to pick one. If you were to pick one book that had the biggest and lasting impact on you, what would that be and why? Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot. Yeah, I know. It, and it depends what level of business somebody is at. Um, but one that I think comes back to any level of business somebody at is the five levels of leadership, you know, because leadership, John Maxwell teaches the law of the lid. Um, we are, as leaders, we become the lid of our organization, right? The higher we rise our own lid, the bigger capacity our business can become. And leadership is what scales and or slows down businesses. And so uh, the book, Five Levels of Leadership, while I've read probably dozens, if not a hundred leadership books, it's one that doesn't talk in just theory and ideas. It's almost like a playbook or a roadmap of how to grow your leadership, depending on what level of leadership you're, you're currently at. And that's why I love it. Cause it's very like tangible and actionable. Um, five levels of leadership. If I had to give you a secondary one, think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Okay. All right. Lovely. I, I had a feeling it was going to be the five levels of leadership. I swear to God, I, it was either that one or it was either that one or the big leap. I was thinking of one of those. I was like, I do. one of those are going to come up. I do love that's the a, big, yeah, that's what I said. I could probably speak. I know, man. I know it's difficult when I ask people that question, they're like one. And I'm yeah. like, yes, just one. Um, yeah. Okay. Lovely. Lovely. And what favorite, what are your, um, what podcasts are you listening to more than any right now? It can be any, related to anything. It doesn't matter what the subject is, but just what has your attention right now? Yeah, my boy, Justin Donald's uh, Lifestyle Investor. I've been listening to that one. Yeah, I've been listening uh, to ever since, ever since the event. Yep. Yeah, uh, that. Uh, it's hard not in our industry to listen to Hormozzi's podcast, uh, The Game. He, you know, just, it's funny. Like, doesn't even bring guests on and just him just... Uh, him just jamming for 15 it could be like minutes. nine minutes 10 minutes and they're like such golden nuggets each That's time probably. i love it yeah and, and then the other day we were cleaning the house we just moved into a new house and uh, kayla and i were cleaning the house and we were like let's decide on a podcast we both would be excited to listen to. she didn't want to listen to justin i didn't want to listen to whatever and so we came to the conclusion to listen to oprah's podcast hmm. which i didn't even know she had a podcast i didn't even know she had a podcast yeah um and I've only listened to maybe like three episodes on it so far and two of them I really, really love. So um, yeah, Oprah would be my third podcast. 
Is it the uh the Super Soul one or just the yeah. Oprah Winfrey? Huh? S- Super Soul. Okay, dang, dude, she has like a crap load of podcasts under yeah. her name. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a big podcast under your name, but okay, um, yeah, the Super Soul one. Okay, yeah, I, I like I like Super Soul. That's actually that's a really good show. Um, yeah. have you ever have you ever listened to um, I did it's my, I listen to it every day. Oh, um, how I built this. Who was I? Who did I see the other day? Just say that's like one of their favorite things to listen to right now. Dude, it is. Huh? It is phenomenal. Like it is phenomenal. It's by Guy Raz, and it's a uh, storytelling. Uh, just. Every big business, or not even, yeah, big businesses, um, uh, how they built their business. And it's like their stories are so interesting, how they did it. But um, I feel like you personally would jam out on that. It's, I love it. I just yeah, searched it on my, I just searched on my Spotify. And I think it was Justin, I think it was in Justin Donald's book, actually, uh, where he says that's one of his favorite shows to listen to. Oh, I think, gotcha, I think that yeah. might have been where I heard. Yeah. I feel like if y'all guys like, if like, if, if Kayla agreed on Super Soul Sunday too, it's like, of course, not about like soul and stuff, but I feel like she would jam out on it too because it's like deep storytelling and it's beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Who knows? Cool. Um, anyways, okay. So my last question for you here is, you know, this has been, this is, I love this. Um, and this question, I'm interested in what you're going to say. Uh, if you had 60 seconds left and you had one big megaphone to just broadcast one last message, not to a particular person, not to a particular group of people, but just to whoever needed to hear that, right? Yeah, just last 60, last 60 seconds. I know it's a loaded question. Like what I would have that 60 be? seconds left and I'm about to die? And you're about to die. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're about to die. The <laughs> universe is about to kick the bucket and your time is done. All right? 60 seconds left. That's it. Do the thing. Right? I, I got my, if I have like, I've had 10 seconds, I just like do the thing, do the thing you're thinking about, do the thing you're scared to do. Uh, we're all going to die anyways. So like, are you prior, are you doing the things that make you happy? Cause people are going to always talk shit. People are going to always have thought and opinion, right? You're going to upset people when you live a big life. Like, are you doing the thing that makes you happy, fills you up? Uh, that's number one. And you are loved, like you are good enough. Right. I love it. I love it. And lastly, um, we have a lot of coaches who listen to this or, you know, if, if anybody just wants to follow you, is there a nice link they can go to? Is there anywhere they can follow you at? Yeah. I mean, they can find me on just like my personal Facebook or Instagram. They can go to champdev.com. Um, or to learn about if, what, like your actual work, like what, what you're doing. Yeah. Champdev.com. We have our Facebook groups, which I can drop the links with you and you put it. Yeah. There yeah. We'll just like that. Yeah. We'll just send me those in the email. Um, but really quickly, just so, because like, you know, we got, we got these last two minutes real quick. Like, what are you doing for coaches right now? Just so those coaches who are, again, I know this podcast isn't really like focus on like the business side of things too much. Well, really business and life, same thing. <laughs> but uh, um, what are you doing for coaches? Yeah. Coaches, um, who either a don't want to spend a crap ton on ads or don't feel like they have a big audience. We're helping them unlock as little as a hundred thousand dollars to the upside. We've had clients tell us that we're unlocking a million dollars in what we call hidden pockets of revenue, where they don't need any bigger of an audience. They don't need to generate any more leads than they already are. They don't need to spend an extra dollar on ad spend. And we're unlocking a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars in hidden pockets of revenue that are in their business right now without needing to work any harder per se. Uh, and it all happened because I was building my business and I was like, 
this business is not going to be fun long lasting if it's like every 90 days i need to get more new clients for oh, me yeah. to like it just felt unsustainable it felt unfulfilling i call it the revenue revolving door where it's like just as clients are coming in they're going out and every month you wake up with like uh the the scary number of being back at zero again type of feeling um and so we helped them learn what the top one percent of coaches do not only to get clients to pay initially but then how to play all out and get incredible results but then also stay for years i think the industry gets clients to stay for like three to four months i was saying like average maybe 90 days yeah yeah we get clients to stay for three to four years so you have a built a business that's built fast uh but also built to last as well Mm. So if you want to learn that champdev.com and also with champdev, right? Yep, champdev. Yeah, champdev.com and or be um, a link to join his Facebook groups below as well. Um, but aside from that, Mike, again, thank you so much for jo- uh, hopping on this show. I'm happy we got to get around to it yeah, and happy yeah. to have you on this show. And um, yeah, so aside from that, have yourself a good day. And thanks for being here. You as well, brother. I love you, man.